it is a gigantic win in a really um, uncertain time. This is MCV Cast. I'm Aaron Murphy, Executive Director of Montana Conservation Voters, and that was Tracy Stone Manning, a familiar name to many in the conservation movement. We'll hear more from her about the historic passage of the Great American Outdoors Act in a few minutes. MCV's Deputy Director Whitney Taney is tuning in from Bozeman, and so is Political Director Jake Brown from Helena. All of us have been closely following the Great American Outdoors Act. We'd be remiss not to rewind back to last December when MCV took to Montana's airwaves with this hard-hitting TV ad we called Lip Service. Public lands are a way of life here, and we rely on money from the Land and Water Conservation Fund to keep them accessible. So when Senator Steve Daines promised to support Montana's public lands, but then shortchanged them by hundreds of millions, Montanans noticed. He sold us out and put all of this at risk. Senator Daines, put our money where your mouth is and fully fund our public lands. A few months later in early March, at about the same time Governor Steve Bullock announced his campaign for the U.S. Senate, Senator Steve Daines announced the Great American Outdoors Act with Senator Cory Gardner of Colorado. Then, last year, if you remember, we, ha- we permanently reauthorized LBCF. That was a very important, that's kind of camp two here as we're getting to the summit. This is the moment we've been waiting for, the permanent and full funding, $900 million a year for the Land and Water Conservation Fund. As permanent reauthorization, by the way, does not mean full funding. While an important step, it is, well, lip service. Which begs the question, why didn't Senator Daines champion this bill last year, or the year before that? Nonetheless, we are grateful for the election year passage of legislation that finally provides full, mandatory funding for the popular Land and Water Conservation Fund in perpetuity. And the bill addresses the maintenance backlog pinching the National Park Service. The Senate passed the Great American Outdoors Act in mid-June, and on Wednesday evening, the U.S. House of Representatives passed the measure 310 to 107, sending the bill to President Trump to be signed into law. The bill earned yes votes from all three members of Montana's congressional delegation. Say what you will, but we believe our lip service ad is a true example of how accountability works and how public pressure works. And now we are celebrating a public lands victory. Before we take a deeper dive into the Great American Outdoors Act, we want to cover some of the other headlines in the news this week, beginning with another familiar name, William Perry Penley. Whitney, what's been happening? As folks may remember, William Perry Penley has officially been nominated by the Trump administration as director of the Bureau of Land Management. MCV and its members, along with many others who champion public lands in Montana, have plenty of reasons to oppose William Perry Penley. Penley himself has repeatedly advocated for the sell-off of our public lands, opposed stream access, advocated to develop all the lands, denies climate change is even happening, and has a 17-page recusal list detailing over 50 conflicts of interest and some 57 entities that he should be ethically dismissed from working with. Because of Penley's dismal record on public lands, this week our senior senator, John Tester, led a letter with other Western senators to ask for an expedited hearing on Penley's nomination. Senator Tester also held a telephone news conference to add further pressure to get the hearing on the books. Let's take a listen. Why would the administration go to such lengths? Well, it's because the truth is that William Perry Penley is uniquely unqualified to run the Bureau of Land Management. His record on public lands is long and as, is extreme, uh, and he has no business overseeing public lands he has spent a career working to undermine. 
After he was installed, I went directly to Mr. Penley, calling into his question his ability to effectively run the support agency on behalf of the American public. I then reached out to Secretary Bernhardt, urging him to remove Mr. Penley from this important position. When it became clear that he was going to run the agency without any real oversight, I reached out to President Trump himself and asked for him to formally nominate Mr. Penley to the position so that we can bring this issue to a head. Senator Tester continued to speak for the people of Montana who love our public lands by adding, Now, while I strongly oppose his nomination, I am pushing for the process to move as quickly as possible so that William Perry Penley can be held accountable to the American public for his long career of anti-public lands activism. MCV thanks Senator Tester for his leadership to have Penley formally vetted as required by the Constitution. But despite the very vocal and loud public outcries, when it comes to our junior senator, folks are still waiting to hear from Senator Steve Daines about where he stands on Penley. Thus far, Senator Daines has only noted that he thinks the concerns of Montanans about Penley are quote-unquote overblown. Sounds like Senator Daines needs further education about the importance of our public lands and that despite his support of the Great American Outdoors Act, Montanans deserve more than a part-time public lands champion. Governor Steve Bullock jumped into the fray this week, filing a lawsuit against Penley and the Bureau of Land Management for continuing to serve in that role without a Senate confirmation. Bullock points out that it's illegal for an appointed director to serve while their nomination is pending a Senate vote. This lawsuit seeks to bar him from performing any duties as the director of the BLM. Conservation and outdoor groups have been sounding the alarm over Penley for a while now, so it's good to see that those concerns are shared by our governor. We've been saying this for a while, but Penley leading the BLM is a fox in the hen house. Thanks, Jake. Last week, we reported on a meeting of the Montana Land Board, which took place this past Monday, at issue two acquisitions of public land by the state of Montana. All those in favor, please signify by saying aye. 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 Those opposed? Motion unanimously passes. That was Governor Bullock chairing Monday's meeting of the Montana Land Board, made up of all five statewide elected office holders. As you just heard, they unanimously approved both projects, the Stumptown addition to the Garrity Mountain Wildlife Management Area near Anaconda and the C. Ben White acquisition near Hamilton. Together, that's about 700 acres of new public land in Montana. And if you'd like to learn more about the importance of these two places, we invite you to check out last week's episode of MCV Cast, available wherever you get your podcasts. A federal court has again blocked an attempt by the Trump administration to roll back methane regulations. The Obama-era rule regulates pollution controls associated with the flaring and venting of methane and natural gas, two big contributors to a warming climate. Fortunately, federal judge Yvonne Gonzalez ruled that the administration and the BLM had failed to properly repeal the rule, saying that the rulemaking process was entirely inadequate. And this is far from the first time that the Trump administration has lost in cases like these for inadequate rulemaking. The federal government has two months to appeal the court's decision, and if they don't, the Obama-era methane rules will go back to an effect. As if we didn't already feel like we're living in a rodeo, more drama on the Energy and Telecommunications Interim Committee at the legislature happened this week. And if they choose not to wear masks, I'm not empowered legally to ask them why. So in that regard, um, if you folks would like to not join us for the remainder, that's entirely your call. But I'm, I'm not going to require the folks that think they have an exemption to wear a mask. 
Okay, Mr. Chairman, then that means that um, the members of my caucus are no longer willing to participate in this meeting, and we understand that you will no longer have a quorum. Okay. Have a good rest of your meeting. Ignoring science and the governor's order to mask up in public spaces, the Republican legislative members of the committee met in person and refused to wear masks. In protest, the Democrats phoned in virtually and ended up leaving the meeting in protest after their requests to wear masks to keep everyone safe were ignored. Friends of MCV cast New Approach Montana recently reported that county clerks had accepted the required signatures to place recreational marijuana and significant conservation funding on the general election ballot in November. Pepper Peterson, a spokesperson for New Approach Montana and former guest of the show, said, Every single legislative district submitted signatures for this drive, all 56 counties, every little small town. People contributed signatures to this in Montana. We think that shows a huge level of support out here, and we're excited going forward. Back to the Great American Outdoors Act, which now has passed both houses of Congress with overwhelming bipartisan support. There's no word yet on when President Trump will sign the bill into law, but we expect it to happen in the coming days. So what does it do, and what does it mean for Montana? Today's guest is one of the nation's top experts in public lands policy. Tracy Stonemanning is Associate Vice President of Public Lands for the National Wildlife Federation. In other words, she's one of the nation's top experts when it comes to public lands and the policies that affect them. And though her work covers the entire country, she calls Missoula home. Prior to joining the National Wildlife Federation, Tracy served as Chief of Staff to Governor Steve Bullock. Before that, she served in his cabinet as Director of the Department of Environmental Quality. And before that, she was Senator John Tester's State Director and ran his Missoula office. All of that came after a very successful career moving the needle in the conservation nonprofit community. Tracy, welcome to MCV Cast. Thank you so much. It's delightful to be here. It's delightful to have you. And we should also note that you are a member of the Board of Directors of Montana Conservation Voters, but you're joining us today wearing your National Wildlife Federation hat. And uh, before we get started, what else should we know about your role with NWF and, and what do you bring to that role? Well, I um, my goal in this job is to... Um, is to expand um, people's understanding of public lands across the country. You know, here in the West, people really know what public lands are, and it's part of our identity. It's part of who we are. Um, But, you know, one third of America uh, is made up of our public lands. And um, not enough Americans have access to those places. And I'm really um, intrigued with the idea of Um, broadening everyone's access to nature and everyone's access to our shared incredible heritage called public lands. Um, So that's a, that's why I uh, decided to jump into this job because, um, because I so deeply believe in this incredibly beautiful, unique American thing called public lands. Well, our public lands have been in the news a lot lately, so let's start with a big headline this week. The U.S. House passed the Great American Outdoors Act. We summarized this landmark legislation earlier in the show, so what would you say is the most significant piece about it? The biggest thing about it is it's a giant gift to America's future. Right. For 50 years, um, the Land and Water Conservation Fund has not realized its full potential. 
Um, and we have left billions of dollars on the table that could have been spent um, on conservation and parks and wildlife habitat and swimming pools and basketball courts in our communities. Um, now that's all going to change. And this program can finally realize its full potential. It is a gigantic win in a really um, uncertain time. Um, so one thing that we know about conservation, at least in Montana, is that it really transcends the trappings of partisan politics. Why and how did this bill overcome it? I think it transcends uh, partisan politics because it's so deeply ingrained as who we are as Montanans. Right? It's just an expectation that our elected leaders understand the value of Montana's public lands, of our incredible wildlife resources, um, that it's part of who we are as Montanans. We talk about it. Um, we talk about it in bars. We talk about it in classrooms. We talk about it with our friends over coffee. Like It's, it's what we do. Um, so of course we expect all of our political uh, electeds to champion those. And I think that's why in this case, it was able to transcend a really ugly time in our country's politics. And I think that Montanans understand that public lands really are our great equalizer. doesn't matter if you're a Republican or a Democrat. doesn't matter how much money is in your bank account. Um, we all have access to these this shared resource, and we have a really shared obligation to pass it along to the next generation. And I just so deeply appreciate the fact that Montanans demand that of our leaders. Whether they personally value it or not, Montanans demand it of their leaders. It's just fabulous. Tracy, conservation organizations like yours and ours have been working on full and mandatory funding of the Land and Water Conservation Fund for, for well, decades. We know a lot of hard work went into the, this as a rare win. My question is, why? What happened that broke the logjam to finally get this bill passed? Um, I think momentum. I love the inevitability of momentum um, that, uh, you know, f go back a couple years to when the conservation community was trying to just reauthorize the law itself, like the law itself sunsetted. And people said, no, wait, hold on. This, this program is too important to sunset. Um, and so we worked really hard to um, to get the program in con in Congress speak reauthorized, um, and there was such momentum around that that reauthorizing that program became the spear point of an entire package of public lands bills, over a hundred bills that passed the Congress in crazy bipartisan margins, and. I think Congress felt pretty good about that work. And Congress members saw, oh gosh, the outdoors really can unite us. And the conservation community built on that momentum. And then, you know, add into it electoral politics. Uh, and there's a couple senators in the West, ours included, who are up for re-election. And uh, they realized, oh, I probably need to do this to bolster my outdoors cred. You know, and I've had people say to me, like, well, I mean, those senators, they just did that because because out of, out of political crassness. And my response is, who cares? Like, the, 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 the Montanans are demanding of that of their electeds, and then their electeds do it. That looks like winning to me. Of course, when a bill is signed into law, it, it's not the end of the story. So what's next for the Great American Outdoors Act in terms of implementing this new law? It's so exciting 
right? Because over 50 years um, of implementing this program, there's only been two years of full funding. All of the agencies that are responsible for spending the money have never um, gotten projects into the pipeline uh, that equal $900 million a year, right? So now there's this opportunity to broaden the horizons. Like you look at what Trust for Public Lands just announced with Southern Pines, right? The company that picked up warehouser acreage in Northwest Montana. TPL said, we're going to pick up 200,000 acres, trusting that that full funding was coming from the Land and Water Conservation Fund and that they could pull that deal off. Like that's the kind of scope that we can now look at um, in Montana and across the country. And on the state side of the program, so the program has money going to federal agencies. The program also has money going down to the states. Now, Fish, Wildlife, and Parks um, has uh, uh, an understanding that the money's going to come every year so that they can really do the solid work with communities, with land trusts, with landowners um, year in and year out. And, and know that the money's coming so they're not jacking around land owners. Land deals are very um, private and very difficult things. And if you don't know whether the money's going to be there, that just complicates it all the more. So why would you go try to put a deal together if you didn't know the money was coming? Well, now the state knows the money's coming and can just do terrific work implementing its outdoor recreation plan. And I think it's up to all of us as uh, citizens of Montana to engage in that process uh, and to help the state make wise choices about where the money's spent. So on that topic of money, Tracy, the National Wildlife Federation just made a case a few weeks ago that the Great American Outdoors Act will spur economic recovery around the country. What does that look like in particular here in Montana? Yeah, so part of the Great American Outdoors Act um, includes $9.5 billion of spending on a backlog um, uh, of maintenance in our national parks and on some of our public lands. Um, So what that looks like is people being put to work in Glacier National Park and Yellowstone National Park and on Forest Service lands and BLM lands and Fish and Wildlife Service lands, um, fixing what needs repair, you know, there's a backlog because Congress hasn't done its job. Congress hasn't um, appropriated enough money to keep up with taking care of these crown jewels. Well, now we've got a big slug of money to go do that work. And it's going to put Montanans to work with, you know, everything from um, fixing, fixing roads and chalets to, uh, to working on trails. So jobs, infrastructure, better access to public lands, Uh, Of course, wildlife is the middle name of your organization. So how does wildlife in particular benefit from this new law? The federal government has one real tool in in acquiring and protecting wildlife habitat. And that tool is the Land and Water Conservation Fund. And now we know that we're going to have permanent funding. So for example, I just floated the Smith River over the 4th of July because I'm a fortunate human with good friends who are lucky and got a permit. And uh, it was such a joy to to float by the, and then have lunch on the confluence of Tenderfoot Creek and, and the Smith River. And of course, you know, thousands and thousands of acres of the Tenderfoot uh, Creek watershed 
um, were protected for elk habitat because the Elk Foundation worked with this program and a bunch of other partners over the years to make sure that that habitat was protected and that the Forest Service could pick up those lands. Similarly, LWCF has funded conservation easements on the Rocky Mountain Front with the understanding that wildlife needs room to come off of the front um, and out into the prairie and then back as the seasons come and go. And now, um, because of those conservation easements, wildlife will have the ability to roam like that permanently. That's the kind of work that LWCF can do for wildlife, and that's why we're so excited about it. So switching gears a little bit, we want to touch base on a dust-up between the two main candidates running for Montana governor. Uh, Lieutenant Governor Mike Cooney this week held a news conference on the banks of the East Gallatin, questioning uh, Congressman Greg Gianforte on why he didn't become a co-sponsor of the House version of the Great American Outdoors Act, especially given that his colleague, Senator Daines, uh, led the effort in the Senate. His campaign has been dismissing those criticisms and saying that the yes vote is good enough. Um, Do you think it's good enough for Montana's only member of Congress? No. And I don't think Montanans do either. Like good enough is not good enough, right? Montanans expect their leaders to lead. We have a beautiful history of that, you know, going all the way back to Jeanette Rankin, but, you know, sort of late last century, Mike Mansfield and his incredible leadership in the Senate, Max Baucus's incredible leadership, John Tester's incredible leadership. Um, The list goes on and on because Montanans expect that. We punch above our weight in the Congress. Um, We are a big state and a small population, but our leaders are mighty. And saying, I'm going to phone it in and vote the right way, you know, that's fine. But it's not being a leader. And Montanans expect our leaders to lead. Tracy, let's talk a bit about someone who's a familiar name to those of us in the conservation movement, William Perry Penley. When President Trump formally nominated Mr. Penley to direct the BLM on June 30th, your organization said it was like, and this is a great quote, putting an arsonist in charge of the fire department. What is the most troubling part of this nomination? Aaron, it's hard to to, to distill that down uh, because the list is a long, decades-long career of working against public lands. Um, but I think that we can fundamentally boil it down to a couple things. First, Mr. Penley doesn't believe in public lands. He believes they should not exist. Um, and that's what we mean by putting the arsonist in charge of the firehouse. It's like, are, why would we put somebody who has spent so much of his career advocating for sell-off of our public lands in charge of our public lands. That's just crazy. And then secondly, he just has this long, troubling record of, um, quite frankly, racist and bigoted remarks. And he will be in charge of an entire federal agency of, of a diverse array of, of people he's managing Um, a bunch of people. And somebody who has that troubling history shouldn't be managing federal employees. And third, he, um, you know, when the people might remember when the Bundy family had basically an armed insurrection in Nevada, and the armed insurrection was against employees of the Bureau of Land Management. And at the time, Mr. Penley was sympathizing with people who were pointing 
rifles at BLM employees, and now he's going to be managing BLM employees. It doesn't. It it just doesn't make any sense. It's kind. Frankly, it's kind of an affront. So that's that's why he's just he's he's completely unfit for the job. So zeroing in on Montana, why specifically should Montanans be concerned, and what has Penley's tenure at BLM meant so far for us? Uh, well, first and foremost, um, Montanans should be concerned that Penley does not believe in the existence of public lands, thinks we should sell them off. Secondly, he has um, overseen the release of the Lewistown Resource Management Plan, and listeners may recall that those plans, RMPs for short, they're 20-year documents that are meant to guide the agency and its management of those lands for 20 years. Well, over 90% of the acreage in this plan is open to oil and gas development under, um, under Mr. Penley's watch. And it's really, really disheartening because um, this plan was years in the making, started in the last administration. A bunch of citizens came to the table, did super hard work of finding common ground on um, an appropriate path forward on sort of a multiple use mandate um, for our shared public lands. And uh, this administration tossed that out and instead came out with this plan. And it is uh, the record of decision, which is the very last final document is due any day. Um, and it will bear uh, Mr. Penley's stamp. I'd like to run another clip from the news conference Senator Tester held this week about his efforts to expedite a hearing for Mr. Penley. Uh, let's take a listen. Public lands are the heart of our outdoor heritage, and they are too important to risk. Unfortunately, William Perry Penley has spent his entire career undermining them and the jobs that they rely on. He has encouraged armed standoffs between ranchers and federal law enforcement officials. He's represented clients suing to drill in the wild and sacred places like Badger 2 Medicine in northwestern Montana. He even wrote an article in 2016 titled, The Federal Government Should Follow the Constitution and Sell Its Western Lands. William Perry Penley's extremism is out of touch with what the American people who value their public lands and who want to see them preserved for our kids and our grandkids. He has no business running the Bureau of Land Management, and I'm hopeful the American people will see why. So, Tracy, as a majority member of the Senate Energy and Natural Resource Committee, what do you think Senator Daines should be asking when Mr. Penley appears under oath at his own confirmation hearing? Well, I hope he would ask, why should we confirm you if you believe that the federal government should not own public lands? And Mr. Penley is going to say, because I'm a good soldier and I was trained as a Marine and I take orders. But I hope that Mr. Daines's follow-up question would be, but don't you believe that a core value of a person who's supposed to run this agency should be a belief in federal ownership of public lands? Like he can't be let off the hook by just saying, well, I'm going to do what I'm told. Like anybody could do that, right? We, we need somebody in that position who believes deeply in the mission of, of the agency and who understands the remarkably, beautifully unique shared um, asset that we all have called public lands. So what can Montanans do to share their concerns about William Perry Penley? Uh, they can call um, Senator Daines' office. 
uh, and share their concerns and say, we expect you to oppose his nomination. And, you know, frankly, Senator Dane should be on the record now. He should be on the record today saying that he opposes this nomination. We don't need to wait for a hearing. Like any reasonable Montanan can look at Mr. Penley's long record of opposing public lands and say, yeah, that guy's not for us. It should be a do not pass go, do not collect 200 proposition on confirming a guy who doesn't believe in the existence of public lands. Tracy Stone Manning is Associate Vice President of Public Lands for the National Wildlife Federation, and she joins us from Missoula. Tracy, thank you for your time and for your legacy of stewardship to our public lands. It is my great pleasure. Thanks, you too. As we note with all our guests, their opinions are their opinions and do not necessarily reflect those of MCV or its members. And a reminder, as a matter of full disclosure, Tracy Stone Manning serves on the board of directors of the Montana Conservation Voters. Jake Brown with one landmark public lands bill down. There's more legislation in the pipeline. That's right, Murph. Montana's U.S. Senator John Tester has introduced a bill that will permanently protect the Badger Two Medicine, a sacred area for the Blackfeet tribe. Uh, This bill comes off a recent federal court decision that canceled the final oil and gas lease in the Badger 2 Medicine. The bill would create the Badger 2 Medicine Heritage Area and would create 127,000 acres of protected public lands added to the Helena Lewis and Clark National Forest. The legislation would prohibit commercial logging, make permanent the existing road construction ban, prohibit motorized vehicles, and prohibit any new structures from being built. This bill was widely applauded by both the conservation community and the Blackfeet tribe. We recently had Harry Barnes, the past chair of the Blackfeet Tribal Business Council on MCVCast. Here's what he had to say about the Badger 2 medicine. Well, the area is uh, south of of Glacier National Park and now part of the uh, National Forest. For years and years, it was part of the Blackfeet homeland, and it was a a spot of high value for visiting with the mind of trying to get visions of spiritual needs after the BIA first took over and when we were forbidden from practicing our ways we then often retreated to the mountainous area that Badger 2 Medicine is and celebrated our, our spirituality and so even today Young people and older people uh, still travel to the Badger 2 Medicine area to connect with Mother Earth and try to be visited by the spirits of the past. On behalf of Montana conservation voters, we want to thank Senator Tester for introducing this much-needed legislation. To help build our movement and make sure you're up to date on the latest, please follow us on social media, all at MT Voters. That's M-T-V-O-T-E-R-S. Thanks, Whitney. Next week on MCV Cast, we'll be joined by the Forward Montana Foundation. The organization's executive director and program director will be here to talk about the connection between the census and conservation. Until then, we'll leave you with a clip of MCV's endorsed candidate for governor, Mike Cooney. This week, he held a news conference on the banks of the East Gallatin River, the same place that prompted a 2009 lawsuit against the people of Montana by his political opponent, Greg Gianforte. Greg Gianforte sued Montanans, meaning you and me, the true owners of our public lands, to block access to that spot right over there. <laughs>